Let's read God's word from Luke chapter 2, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greeting to you, most highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled in, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. Thank you, God, for your precious word and give us a new and fresh vision of yourself. Thank you, uh, Dorothy, for reading um, God's word to us this morning, and uh, let, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and as Dorothy has said, we pray that you give us a fresh insight into this story, this most remarkable story ever in the history of the world. We stand in awe, we marvel at your work, and may our hearts this morning be gripped by you, Lord, encouraged and strengthened in our faith. May you speak to us, Lord, as we submit ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, friends, here we are on this first Sunday of December 2016. All the decorations around us here tells us that Christmas is just around the corner. Uh, just this past week, I caught up with one of my mentors, a very senior retired minister of this congregation in a shopping center. And uh, I took the liberty to walk with him to uh, one of the shops and I saw those beautiful Christmas puddings. About 40 bucks, I think, for uh, one of those nice puddings. I was almost tempted to get it. Almost tempted. And he said to me, Chris, I don't think you need to get one, Chris. You'll be putting on more weight. So I listened to my mentor and I didn't buy it. I think I'll go and get it. Anyway. <laughs> And I came, I think I spoke to someone else about this pudding, it must be so good, but I haven't tasted it. 
The point is, friends, we must be busy. Some of us will get st uh, stretched and stressed during this time of the year. How many gifts you got to buy? How many, uh, what you've got to get for this member of the family, other member of the family? If you're having people over at your home, what are you going to cook? What's the, what's the menu like? Oh man, all those things. I just kind of fade in the background when these things are happening and uh, I let it all go. Anyway, here we are. How quickly this year has passed by, and so it brings us right into the Christmas season. And as we prepare for Christmas, I thought it's best that we focus on Advent. And today we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, where we can prepare ourselves to know really the Christ of Christmas. It is the, the, the account in front of us this morning uh, in Luke chapter 1 is mind-blowing. And I hope that as we look at our text today, that our hearts will rejoice at God's gift for us in his son Jesus. This is God's story in Luke chapter 1. And our text for this morning is Luke 1, 31 to 33. We're going to just look at those verses this morning. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so, friends, I've titled this message, Christmas, What Child Is This? What child is this? Who is this child? What is so special about this child? And we're going to look at this text under these four headings, his name, his greatness, his throne, and his kingship. So four things that we're going to look at this morning about this child. All right? So his name, his greatness, his throne, his kingship. Well, before we look at this passage, let's look at the setting of our text here. And I would like to encourage you to keep your Bibles open to Luke uh, chapter 1. The setting, the area is Galilee, was the chosen province that God sent his angel. Luke one twenty six identifies the angel as Gabriel. Now, what do we know about this angel Gabriel? Well, Gabriel is one of, one of two angels who are actually named in the Bible. The other one is Michael. Gabriel is God's supreme messenger. He brought some very important and crucial announcements from heaven about 550 years ago, and we read of him in the book of Daniel. And now, after so many years, Gabriel is back again, and this time he brings a message directly from God to Zechariah the priest about the birth of John the Baptist. We read about this in Luke chapter 1. Just imagine the scene for a moment. Zechariah is a priest. He's about to get on with his temple duties at the altar of incense. And the moment that he arrived, the moment had arrived for him to place the incense upon the coals, causing a cloud to rise, and then prayers were offered on behalf of God's people to God. That moment had arrived. But then look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 11. Have a look at what's going on there, please. So imagine this. Zechariah is there at the altar. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not fear Zechariah and so forth. So imagine this. Here is Zechariah. He's about to bring this incense, about to place it on the coals, about to pray, and suddenly 
he sees an angel right next to him. Imagine that. Imagine if you encountered an angel in front of you, <laughs> right? What would you do, friends? So Zechariah the priest was absolutely scared with his encounter with Gabriel in the temple. And Luke tells us that Zechariah was troubled and fear came upon him when he saw the angel. And so we get the picture that this angel Gabriel would have been an imposing figure perhaps. And then because Zechariah did not believe the message of God through Gabriel, he was unable to speak. And so the people were outside, they were praying, they were waiting for Zechariah to come out, and it took a long time for Zechariah to come out. We don't know how long it is. And when he came out, he couldn't speak. God had judged him. And now six months later, Gabriel comes again. And this time he comes with an announcement from God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth. Now, I don't know if you can see exactly uh, the, the map there, but you will see near Galilee in that entire region, uh, there was this little town called Nazareth. He was sent by God not to some super capital city or town in the world. He comes to a town that was obscure and, uh, and to, to the outside world, a Galilean town called Nazareth, a poor out-of-the-way village. Nazareth drew no visitors. It was not the most livable town in the world. In fact, it was known to be a low social place for nothing good came out of Nazareth. I think of uh, the time that John, uh, that, that Philip spoke to, um, to Andrew, remember that, and to Nathaniel in, in John chapter 1. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida and the city, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip then he found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, What did Nathanael say? Can anything good come out of where? Nazareth. I mean, come on. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, that is how Nathaniel viewed Nazareth. Can anything good come out of that place? He could only think of corruption, a place that was of a socio-economic, a low socio-economic place, that nothing good came out of that. And yet, my dear friends, God sent his angel Gabriel to this obscure, out-of-the-way town, to Mary's house. Now, Gabriel did not need a sat-nav system he didn't have to Google the map to find Mary's house. Where was this place, Nazareth? Aren't they so good, those maps, right? When we drive around with our cars, put their address there. Sometimes it takes us on a detour. But here was Gabriel. He, did not have a, he didn't have a sat-nav system. He knew exactly where Mary lived. He knew where Nazareth was. How? Because God sent him to the right place. And when I was sitting there writing this, this talk this past week, I thought about it for a moment. You know, God knows where I live. Does he not? He knows your address. He knows exactly where, which street you are, which house number you are. He knows exactly what's going on. Scary, isn't it? But comforting as well. That house is my child. That, my child lives in that house on such and such a street here in Victoria or wherever you're from. That is my child in that house. And so God sends him there, right 
into that city, right into that town. So no town, city, or place is hidden from God's sight. And he came, and he came and, and said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Imagine what would have gone through Mary's mind. We'll get a glimpse of what was going on in her mind and heart in Luke chapter 1. She knew what the angel, she knew that this was an angel. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Verse 30 in Luke chapter 1. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And so Gabriel approached her in a loving and tender way. Zechariah was fearful with Gabriel, but here the, here the angel Gabriel approaches Mary with tenderness. The Lord is with you, Mary. What comforting words to a young teenager. Here is Mary, a young teenager. Some have suggested that she was just 13 years of age. 13 years. She did not have the luxuries of 13-year-old girls enjoy today, right? What do girls today enjoy, 13-year-olds? I don't know. You've been listening to music, all that kind of cool stuff that's around your place, right? But you know all those kind of things as 13-year-old girls do? Listening to Katy Perry and I don't know who else you listen to. What type of music, I don't know. Here was Mary, growing up in an obscure place. In the eyes of the world, she was just an ordinary young girl. Growing up in a nowhere place. Nobody would have taken notice of Mary. No one. She would have lived a life, perhaps got married, had children, died, and no one would have thought of her. And yet God sees her. God sends the angel to her house. And God is going to bring something amazing through Mary. Someone amazing through Mary. And God chooses Mary to bring his son into the world. And you know what, friends? God could have sent his angel Gabriel to a more sophisticated town and found a daughter of some king or a prince or whoever it was. But no, he sends his angel to a young girl in a way out place. Awesome. God had different plans for Mary. God preferred the lowly virgin Mary for the highest honor of giving birth to his son Jesus in a most supernatural way. And so, friends, God is the God of the humble. Is he not? How many times we see that in the scriptures? You see, God opposes the proud and he exalts the humble. And he comes to the Virgin Mary, a humble girl of nearly 13 years of age, perhaps. And we know, this from, and we know that she submitted herself to the Lord because in, in, a, in a beautiful song, which we're going to look at next week, we see her crying out and singing the praises of what God is going to do in her life. God is the God of the humble and the lowly and the contrite. Let me ask you this morning, how is your heart before God? Are you humble before him? Have you come before him and said to him, Lord, here is my life. I, I bow before you. I come before you with humbleness of heart. I have nothing to brag and to boast about. I am who I am because of you. And so, friends, Mary is given that honor 
because of her faithfulness to God. And Luke, the historian, and the theologian, and the physician, is very keen to give us this setting so that we can capture what God was doing in history. And I have given you this setting this morning of this context to help us see what an amazing work of God that is going on in Luke chapter 1. An event will take place through the Virgin Mary that will change the course of the history of this world forever. The birth of the Son of God. God intervening in creation with humanity to bring about his plan and purposes for the redemption of sinners. And so we see this morning about his name. Have a look at verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. So the angel says, God says to Mary, I know the sex of your baby. You don't need to have a scan. You don't need to go through and have a look at what the sex of the baby is, the son. And I'm going to give him the name as well, Mary. And the name is Jesus. That's his name. In, in Luke chapter 135, the angel answered, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Holy, the Son of God. And then we see in our text that the angel goes on to reveal the name, Jesus. In the Hebrew, it is Yeshua, or we say Joshua, which means Jehovah saves, Savior or Deliverer. That's the name, that's the meaning of this name, Jesus. And this child will be the one who will save his people from their sins. As we see here in, in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, you shall call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. So friends, this name of Jesus is special. And we read of this name also in Philippians, don't we? Therefore God, Philippians chapter 2, God ex has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Why? Let's read that. Verse 10. So that at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That name is special. And so this child is special. He has a name that is above every other name because he is the Savior. Then we see also his, his greatness here. He will be called, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, Gabriel says that he will be great and will be called the son of the Most High. Now, what constitutes this greatness? Notice that he will be called the son of the Most High. Now, friends, the first use of this designation Most High stresses Jehovah's majesty. It stresses God's amazing sovereignty, his greatness, his majesty. Now, why do I say this? Have a look at Genesis chapter 14, 18 to 20. It was first used here in Genesis 14. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And the Hebrew word that is used here is the, the name for God is El Elyon, which means God Most High. One of the names for God 
The other name is El Shaddai. You know that song? It's a beautiful song, isn't it? El Shaddai, El Shaddai. You know, that's a, that's a great name again, another name of God. And El Elyon is a powerful, sovereign God. And no one is higher than him. And this child, Jesus, is the son of the Most High. And so he is no ordinary child. He is the one through whom God has finally spoken. And so he is the great and mighty son of God. And we read this in, in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That is Jesus. Do we get the picture? Uh, John Piper commenting on the greatness of Jesus says this, there is nothing that Jesus cannot do a thousand times better than the person you admire most in any area of human endeavor under the sun. Words fail to fill the greatness of Jesus. Words fail to fill the greatness of Jesus. That is our Savior. Do you see who this child is this morning? A great child. Son of the Most High. What an awesome Savior. Jesus is and so we go on friends we see that this great son of the most high is the one in humility who will submit himself to the father's will and go to the cross and then we see his throne and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David now we read uh, Dennis read 2nd Samuel chapter 7 this morning we have Nathan's prophecy to Samuel we read that this morning God established his covenant with David after David brought the ark back and God initiated a gracious covenant with David and his descendants, noting that he chose David's line that would rule the people of the Lord. And even if discipline of David's family should prove necessary, which happened, God would never take his love away from David and his sons. And so 2 Samuel chapter 7 is a foundational foundational messianic prophecy concerning Jesus. It is a prophecy that is known as the Davidic covenant. I won't go into that this morning, all the details of it. You can read about it in 2 Samuel. And the point is that this covenant, this agreement that God had made with David is kept and in time is now fulfilled in whom? In Jesus, the greater king than David. And so Jesus is from David's line and he will occupy the throne of David not just for a short time but forever and ever and that's what's coming into fulfillment here and Mary and Mary she was hearing this prophecy she was hearing what was going on and Mary would have learned the scripture somehow and she is now being it's been brought back to her mind that she was going to be the mother of the long-awaited Messiah, a king greater than David. Friends, we know world leaders come and go, right? Very soon, the current president of the U.S. will be yesterday's man, right? You remember who was, for example, the prime minister of Australia 25 years ago? I mean, some of you might know just like that. I don't, right? Do you know who the president of the U.S. was 40 years ago? Very quickly, can you just come up like that? No, I don't think so, right? Who was the king of 
Bhutan, maybe, I don't know. Maybe some of you might know that. They come and they go. Kings come and kings go. Prime ministers come and they go. Presidents come and they go. Queens come and they go. But there is a king that reigns forever. That is Jesus. And so Mary, the angel, is reminding her that that throne that God promised to David is being fulfilled now. The promised Messiah will come and the Virgin Mary will bear this king. What an amazing message from God through the angel Gabriel to a young teenager in a nowhere place who was a nobody. You know, there's a message in that for us as well, isn't it? You might think this morning that you are a nobody. I'm a, I'm a nobody from a nowhere place. I often think about that myself. I can't imagine, my friends. I'm telling you sincerely. Every time I have to remind myself what an honor, what a privilege to be a child of God, what an honor and a privilege to preach God's word and to be a minister of this congregation where God would touch a sinner like me from a nowhere place in a nowhere country out there in the streets, outskirts of Colombo, Sri Lanka. Convert me, bring me here. And I was a guy who was so scared to talk in front of people. Can you imagine that? I run a mile when I used to see that. And here God in his grace has put me. And you have a story to say, don't you? <laughs> How God has taken a nobody from a nowhere place and brought him or her and made him special or made her special in his sight. That is grace, right? That is God's goodness. That is God's kindness. That is God's grace extended to a girl in a nowhere place, a nobody. And yet God looks upon her and she is humbly submitting herself to her Lord. You know, Mary is a model believer. A model believer. You see that in the text, you see that in Luke chapter 1. We'll touch on that more next week. And then, friends, let's keep moving on. We see his kingship. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. This kingdom is not a political kingdom or earthly one. It is an earth, eternal kingdom with Jesus as the king. Reign over the house of Jacob. Now, there could be lots of uh, interpretations here and, and, and discussions on this. But let me just say this, that I, I take it as it in the house of Jacob, that it is in the hearts of those who have the God of Jacob as their refuge. He will reign in the hearts of those who have trusted this God. And this is what Jesus said about his kingdom. This is what he said. And when, he, when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogue of Judea. He was going to proclaim this kingdom. And this is what Paul says about the kingdom. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Think about that, friends. It's not a matter of just eating and drinking and I am a happy-go lifestyle. This is Jesus is saying, God's word is saying that the kingdom of God is a matter here. Paul is saying of righteousness. That is of righteous living, of righteousness before God, of having a right heart before God, of peace and joy. Do you want peace and joy in your life? Not sure? What are we looking for, friends, in this world? You can have everything in this world. 
right? You can have all the best things in this world, all the latest gadgets, the biggest house, the best car, everything else you can have in this world. But if you don't have peace, is it worth it? Can you buy joy? Can you manufacture joy? Can you buy peace? The peace of the heart that God gives to you is a peace that is lasting. And the joy that he gives to you is a joy even in the midst of the tears and the sadness and the burdens of life. You know, I, 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 I listen to you, I hear some of the struggles that some of you are going through, and my heart aches with you. There are times that I sit in my office, I look through the window outside, and I think about you and your own struggles and the battles that you go through. And I pray, Lord, give to such and such a person your peace. Give to such and such a person your joy because it is tough. And the Lord hears. And he says, my kingdom is one of peace and joy and righteousness. And what a blessing. <laughs> what a blessing that is. And so the most amazing blessing, friends, this morning is that all, all who put their faith and trust in Jesus are citizens of his kingdom of which there will be no end. And if you are a child of this king, through faith in Christ alone, remember this morning that you are a child of the king. Will you remember that? What does that do to you, friends, this morning? Hey? What does that tell us this morning? That our king reigns. He cares for you. You see, at the cross, in Matthew chapter 27, they twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, anyone? King of the Jews. Hail, King of the Jews. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Never for a moment did they realize what they put up there was really true. <laughs> Not just the King of the Jews, but the King forever. And so, friends, this king was crucified at the cross for you and for me. This king rose from the dead. This king ascended to heaven. And this king is reigning on high. And this king will return one day. John Stott puts it this way. To encounter Christ is to touch reality and experience transcendence. He gives us a sense of self-worth or personal significance, because he assures us of God's love for us. He sets us free from guilt because he died for us, and from paralyzing fear because he reigns. He gives meaning to marriage and home, work and leisure, personhood and citizenship. Is this king ruling your life this morning? Is he? Can you say this morning, Jesus is the king of my life. I'm his child. I'm a child of King Jesus. I am sealed for eternity. I'm looking forward to the day when Christ will come and establish the new heavens and the new earth and I will reign with Christ forever. Do you see that? That's this child. That is who Jesus is. And what a difference that makes to our daily living Right. Tomorrow morning, you get up. Some of you have to go to work. My day is, Mondays are my, is my day off, so 
I don't worry too much about work, but you'll be back at work, but I'll be working tomorrow because lots of things happen in that church. You get up and you go to work and you face your challenges. Remember this king. He's with you. He loves you. He died for you. And he's reigning forever. What a blessing. So, let me conclude. Revelation 19.16 says, On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And this morning, this king invites you to come to this table. And he says, come as a child, as my child. You believe and you trust in me. You have put your faith in Jesus Christ. My blood was shed for you. And I have risen from the dead. And I'm reigning on high. I have written on me, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I invite you. The King invites you to the King's table. Did you see that? And as we come this morning, we come not to say how great we are, but we come with grateful hearts and we come with thankful hearts that this Savior gave his life and we take the supper this morning rejoicing in that truth. What a blessing, eh? What a blessing. So go from this place knowing his name, that he is great, that he is on the throne and that he is king forever. This is the child Jesus whose birth we celebrate this month. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our precious Savior Jesus. We thank you that his name is special. We thank you that he is great. We thank you that he is on the throne, the promised Messiah, the line of David. And we thank you and praise you that he is the king. Help us this morning to trust you, Lord Jesus. Help us to come to this supper this morning at the king's invitation to the king's table. In the name of Jesus, amen.